All right, grown-ups, your turn. Good morning. Well done. Good morning. It's my pleasure to greet you again. Uh, this morning we have released Pastor Dave to preach at Iglesia Emmanuel, but he's actually in the back with us at this first service. Wave to Pastor Dave. Hi, Pastor Dave. If you don't know what Iglesia Emmanuel is, Iglesia Emmanuel is a Spanish-speaking Presbyterian church in town. Uh, that are partners and friends of ours. And today, Dave has the honor of being asked to preach there uh, on the occasion of the 25th wedding anniversary of Pastor Julio, the pastor. Uh, So we miss you, but we are grateful for their friendship. Uh, And send our greetings to the congregation, all right? A few weeks ago, Mark launched a new sermon series on conversations with Jesus. And so from now until Advent, we're going to be eavesdropping on selected conversations with the goal that as we listen in, we might come to know Jesus better. Whether you would consider yourself a lifelong follower of Jesus or something more of a recent tag-along. Our text this morning is short. It's well-known. And I think it's too neatly and narrowly applied most of the time. Let's see what it has for us. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 38. Let's listen again to the word of the Lord. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As a kid in school, there was a job that I always wanted, but I also feared, welcoming the new girl. Whenever a new student matriculated, the school assigned that person a buddy. That buddy was supposed to meet them before the year started, guide them through the first weeks of school, direct them to their classroom, show them how to get through the line in the cafeteria, And of course, invite them to sit at our table. Now, if the new kid was a nice kid, then this was a great job. But if the new kid was, well, not so nice, or not so cool, or too cool, well then you can imagine, this was tough. Hospitality involves risk as you may well know, and Martha is about to discover. Our text this morning is about two disciples, two followers of Jesus, 
who disagree about how to welcome him and how their world should be reconfigured by his presence. As Jesus and his disciples were on the way, a woman named Martha opened her home to him. This is about as mundane of a start to a story as you can get in the Gospels. Jesus and his disciples are always on the way, aren't they? They're always on the road. They're itinerant ministers of the kingdom of God. And so after a somewhat meandering course through Galilee, they set their sights on Jerusalem, and that journey takes up the rest of the gospel. They're always on the way. And Jesus and his disciples are always eating in people's homes. They eat with the teachers of the law. They even eat with tax collectors. In Jesus' actual ministry and in his teachings about the kingdom, Jesus often draws attention to someone who is practicing hospitality or not. This is such an ordinary beginning, but let's not rush past it. Let's linger for a moment and imagine just what it entailed for Martha to open her home to Jesus and his 12, or more, closest friends. Last week, the church hosted a wedding and a wedding reception, a dinner for adults with and without disabilities through Reality Ministries, and supper in small groups on Wednesday night. Though each of these events had been planned for months, the building was buzzing beforehand with teams of people preparing moving tables, setting up chairs, turning on lights, bringing in food, or preparing it. Even with all our modern conveniences and plenty of advance notice, opening a home, whether it's your private home or our church home, well, it requires significant effort and a lot of hands, doesn't it? It's easy to imagine Martha on her feet, all day attending to the duties of being a host. Now, Martha had a sister called Mary. Maybe she had other sisters, too, but the only sister that we learn about is the sister who was sitting around. It's interesting, isn't it, to watch the family dynamics at a family gathering? There's always one family member, usually a woman, who will never sit down all day, isn't there? And then there is this other group of people who are eager to help. They're available to be ordered around. They're ready to be given a job. They show up in the kitchen and say, what can I do? Then there's this other group of people in every family that they have one job that they'll do. I'll do my job. I'll carve the turkey. I'll watch the grill. I'll do the dishes. And then there are those others who never seem to be around when there's work to be done or who fade away as soon as it's socially acceptable, or who just don't come at all. I wonder what role Mary usually occupied. We don't know. But we know that on this day, Mary was with the disciples. She was sitting with the men in the living room while Martha was on her feet in the kitchen. Now, I like to imagine that Martha tried to get her sister's attention. Perhaps she let a few dishes clatter in the kitchen to make it sound like, ooh, I really need a hand. She slammed a few doors. 
She tried to make eye contact with her sister as she came through to refill water and pass out hors d'oeuvres. To no avail. And so Martha does what any older sister would do. She goes to Jesus. She goes to Jesus with every reason to believe that he will side with her. Isn't it unkind of my sister to leave me with all the work? Not to mention a little inappropriate for her to be sitting there like one of the boys. And besides, aren't you hungry, Jesus? You have got a reputation for being a man who enjoys a good meal. Not only does Martha have every reason to think that Jesus will side with her, Martha seems a little surprised, even annoyed, that Jesus has not already taken notice of what is happening and set her sister straight. So she busts in and says, Lord, don't you care? Lord, don't you care? Tell her to help me. I think if we were more honest, a lot of our prayers would sound this way. Lord, don't you care? Tell her. Tell him. Tell my husband. Tell my wife. Tell my brother. Tell my sister. Tell my son. Tell my daughter. Tell my friend. Tell them to help me. Lord, don't you care? Tell my pastor. Tell my boss. Tell my church. Tell my government. Lord, don't you care? Tell them to do what I say. I think if we were more honest, a lot of our prayers would sound this way. And I think that's okay as long as you are ready for Jesus to surprise you, as he does Martha. Because it just may be that you are the one who needs to be put in your place. For instead of turning to Mary and telling her to run along now, Jesus turns to Martha and makes it a teachable moment for her. You are worried and upset about many things. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, only one. What does this mean? Most obviously, it means that Jesus is not going to tell Mary to get up and go back to the kitchen. He isn't going to ask her to stop listening and start serving, to stop sitting at his feet and start waiting on him. But what is the one thing that is needful? What is this better part that Mary has chosen? And is it available to us? Mary receives Jesus as Lord and positions herself as a disciple. Martha addresses Jesus as Lord, but she continues fluttering about in her role as host. Though the Lord is present, Martha is preoccupied by the pre-existing demands of hospitality. But what she fails to realize is that hospitality involves risk. You can't welcome Jesus and remain the same. The problem is not that Martha is hard at work to welcome Jesus. Jesus has no problem with the bustle required to put on a banquet. Earlier in Luke, he even chided a host for failing to discharge his duties. The problem is not the bustle. The problem is that Martha welcomes Jesus just like he's any other guest. But Mary places herself 
at his feet. Mary neglects the dishes, ditches her sister to be in the company of the boys and listen to the word. For Mary, the demands of hospitality and social convention, what she saw her mother do and her grandmother do, the spaces she occupied, the people she was used to sitting with, all of this was, well, completely upended by the presence of Jesus. You cannot welcome Jesus and remain the same. Because he was Lord, Martha asked Jesus to use his authority to reassert the old way, to strengthen the code of hospitality, familial duty, and gender roles. Put my sister in her place. But because Jesus was Lord, Mary allowed him to put her in a new place, at his feet, to give her a new role as disciple first, then host. My son, Lewis, turns four today. Happy birthday, Lewis. I was looking for a way to work this in. Now, now, as parents, we really love to observe our kids and marvel at how different they are from one another. There are perils in this, I know. But let me just tell you a little bit about Lewis. Lewis hates to be left out, but he doesn't mind being left alone. From an early age, he has been an expert climber. He can scale any wall, trellis, piece of furniture, and he has an enduring interest in trains. These are all things that set him apart from his siblings. But Luke is not making this kind of contrast with the siblings Mary and Martha. That's not what this story is about. He's not saying, well, take the test and see who you resemble. Do you like to be or do you like to do? Do you like to listen or do you like to serve? Oh, you're 70% Martha and 30% Mary. This story is not figuring out if you are is not about figuring out if you are more inclined to an active or contemplative spirituality, though many have interpreted it this way. This story is asking you, what will you do with the word of the Lord? This scene at home with Martha and Mary, it's actually kind of a, a coda, an appendix to the story that comes before it. That story is about an expert in the law who heard the word but didn't do it. And so Jesus put him in his place with the parable of that religious half-breed, the Good Samaritan. Now we get the story about a host who is too busy doing to hear the word. The first hears the word, but he doesn't do it. The second is too busy doing to hear it, and she has to be put in her place by the example of her little sister. With his gospel, Luke is presenting you with the word of the Lord. He's bringing God's message of grace and truth into your lap, into your living room right now. He's confronting you with the Lord, the Lord of all who came not to be served, but to serve. The one for whom hearing and doing the word were perfectly united. The one person who is himself the message 
and who has done the very thing that we could not do for ourselves. Save us. Will you receive this Jesus with radical hospitality? How will you respond to the word before you? Will you receive this Jesus with radical hospitality? Will you let him change you from one who is preoccupied and worried about many things, who lives like Martha by fearing and doing, into one who is constantly being changed, transformed by hearing the word and doing? What would it look like? What would it look like to respond to the word before you, Jesus Christ, to receive him with radical hospitality and to be transformed by hearing and doing? Two ideas. First, assume the position of Mary as you approach the word of the Lord in Scripture. Assume the position of Mary as you approach the word of the Lord in Scripture. I think at an early age, even as kids, we learn to say, oh, I know that story. We come to Scripture for information, consolation, perhaps, or we maybe try to avoid Scripture at all. When we do encounter it, we do so with suspicion. But what if instead... We approached scripture not as that expert, that teacher in the law, but as an opportunity to be gently put in our place by Jesus. What if we attended to the word not out of duty and decorum like Martha, because that's what Christians do, we read the Bible, but with expectation that we cannot welcome Jesus, we can't hear the word and remain the same. That's one purpose of these Wednesday night small groups. This, this semester, we have small groups that meet on Wednesday night, and they're, ga- they're reading the upcoming Sunday's sermon text. Why? Not just to give me sermon helps, though I will take them, but as preparation to welcome Jesus in the public reading of the word, to develop a sense of expectation for how we might encounter him together. We receive Jesus with radical hospitality by listening to his word, by assuming the position of Mary before the scripture. And second, we receive Jesus with radical hospitality by risking welcome to those who come in his name. We welcome Jesus when we welcome those who come in his name. Last summer, the Black Knoll Voices Sunday School class looked at the history of our congregation. They had a particular focus on the early 20th century, and Jeff and I had the privilege of interviewing Ed Hinegar, the former head of staff here. Ed told us that he had the habit of attending the Wednesday night prayer meeting, and week after week, the group prayed for more people to come to church. And one week, one of the matriarchs of the church began complaining about the people who were coming. Students with long hair and short skirts. This was the late 60s. And another woman, Jeff, maybe you remember her name. What was it? Bessie Buchanan, maybe. 
We'll say Bessie, she retorted to this sister in Christ, you've been asking God to fill the pews, haven't you? We don't get to decide whom the Lord sends. But as you know, if you know the story, this was more than a generational divide over haircuts and clothing. The gap, the risk, the risk of hospitality were greater. The mill community was being asked to share influence and leadership with a group of people whose lives, life experience thus far was so unlike their own. These students represented the university influence that was taking over their town. They keenly felt the risk of hospitality, but they could not fail to be transformed by the word of the Lord. They knew that the living God in their midst would not let them remain the same. Friends, I think that's a good prescription for the anxiety of our age as well. We're distracted, we're worried, we're upset about many things, both the old and the young among us, aren't we? Let's loosen our grip on what we think we should be and let the Lord transform us by the hearing and doing of, our word, of his word. With the psalmist, let us pray, Lord, you alone are our portion and our cup. You make our lot secure. In him we find rest. Let's pray together. Lord, this word is at once so familiar and so strange. We marvel that you come to us, that you waltzed into their living room, that you ate a meal at their table, that you are present to us now in the word and at the table. Help us, Holy Spirit, to receive Jesus as Lord and to be transformed by the living God. Help us to hear and do as you would call us. We make this bold request in Jesus' name. Amen.